present tense, isn't it? Has eternal life, does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. Now, is there going to be a judgment? Of course there is. Don't worry about it. You've got the best attorney in the universe, and his father's a judge. Then they say Jesus is your advocate. That's what an attorney is. Years ago, when I was pastoring in Hollywood, I had a lady in my church who was the administrative officer for a large law firm in Los Angeles. And, and she, when she became a Christian, she had a real burden for the man who was head of the law firm, a very powerful, wealthy individual in Los Angeles. And she said, Pastor Jones, you've got to get through to Mr. Green. Well, he and I became friends. How do you talk to a person who has everything? Finally, one time she called me. She said, now listen, Pastor. She said, Mr. Green's health is fragile. He's getting old. He's got to make a decision. So I was visiting with him in his office one day, and for some reason or other, this is what I said to him. I said, Mr. Green, if you had to go to court in Los Angeles, who would you want with you? Well, he said, I'd want the best attorney in town. I said, Mr. Green, you have the best attorney in the universe. And I said, it gets better than that. His father is the judge. Now, I said, if you have to go to court and you've got the best attorney by your side, you see his dad sitting on the bench, you feel good, don't you? Uh, later on that week, he called Marie and said, Marie, uh, there's a little church down in Burbank that my mother used to take me to when I was a little boy. You call that preacher down there and tell him I'm coming down Sunday to be baptized. That's the kind of man he was, you know. Well, he came to the church and the preacher started to introduce him to the audience. And Mr. Green said, that's not the way you do it. He said, you're supposed to sing that song and I'm supposed to come down the aisle. He remembered softly and tenderly Jesus' calling. They sang that song. Mr. Green came down the aisle. He was baptized and we buried him two weeks later. Folks, when you know what Jesus can do for you, you can't turn him down. He has the answer. He has the answer for you. We need a bucket list. I want to tell you that the easiest thing in the world for you is to be saved. What did it say? If you hear my word and believe him who sent me, you have passed out of death into life. And the next verse says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and those that hear shall live. Paul says it pretty good in that letter that he wrote to Rome, Christians in Rome. In the 10th chapter of Romans and the 9th verse. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be what? Saved. 
The first thing on our bucket list should be to confess Jesus. Isn't that true? Yeah. We should do that. And then, I think the next thing on our list, we should tell people what he's done for us. What do you think about that? It's true. I take three daily newspapers. I, much to the dismay of my wife. But anyway. Uh, I used to be in the newspaper business, and no matter what happens with the new media and so forth, I still like to read about it. And there's not a lot of good news in the newspaper these days, but here a while back, a man fell 47 stories from a building and lived. And I want to tell you that was on the front page of newspapers all over the world. People want to hear good news. And the best news in the world is that Jesus is coming again, folks. That he's the solution. And he tells us in John, I mean in Matthew 24, verse 14, he says, The gospel shall be preached in the whole world as a witness, and then is the end going to come. It's kind of interesting. In the preceding verses there, it talks about wars, it talks about famines, it talks about all kinds of things. But after it, it says, this is not the end. This is not the end. I remember... Wow. When I was a little boy and there was trouble in the Middle East or someplace, the preacher would say, this is the end. The Lord will come when he's ready to come. But he has a message for you and me to give to tell people that he's coming again. Uh I, do you write stuff to yourself in your Bible? I write all kind of notes to myself. I wear out a few Bibles, but I write all kind of stuff to myself. Uh, I even quote uh, basketball coaches in my Bible. I have one here by John Wooden. Remember John Wooden? He said, it's what you learn after you know it all that counts. And then I have a poem in the back of my Bible that is uh, really important to me. God doesn't answer all of my prayers the way I want him to. I don't, I, I don't, he may do that with you, but he doesn't do that with me. But when God says no, does he still love me? This poem by Claudia Weiss says, I asked God to take away my pride, and God said no. He said it was not for him to take away, but for me to give up. I asked God to make my handicapped child whole, and God said no. He said her spirit is whole, and her body's only temporary. I asked God to grant me patience, and God said no. He said, patience is a byproduct of tribulation. It isn't granted, it's earned. I asked God to give me happiness, and God said no. He said he gives me blessings. Happiness is up to me. I asked God to spare me pain. God said no. He said, suffering draws you apart from worldly cares and brings you closer to me. I asked God to make my spirit grow, and God said no. He said, I must grow on my own, but he'll prune me and make me fruitful. 
I asked God to help me love others as much as he loves me. And God said, ah, finally you got the idea. We show our love for God by how we care for others. Sometimes you have to put your feet in the water. Ruth found that out recently. I'm going to let her tell you about it. Before I tell you this story, I just want to tell you first that when I was a young teenager, about 13 or 14, I sang in a girls' chorus in Oklahoma City, directed by Norma Phillips, the mother of Bunny Phillips Thornburg. That was a wonderful experience for me, and Bunny, you were probably in the choir too, though you were younger than me. <laughs> uh, the experience that I had recently was to meet a lady who's a Buddhist, has lived in the United States for 17 years, and had never seen a Bible. The way I got my feet wet was that uh, we were down in Newport Coast, and um, where we were staying, I had the opportunity to have a foot bath, a foot eucalyptus bath, and a foot massage. So the lady that I, that I had the appointment with uh, was named I. And I said, how do you spell that? And she said, A-I. And I said, well, that's unusual. I've never heard that name before except in the Bible. I'm sure I've, I remember seeing that name in the Bible. In fact, I think it was the name of a town. Well, she said she'd never seen a Bible. But I said, I'm going to look that up and let you know. So that day when I, uh, that evening when we got home, when I got home, I asked Edmund, I said, get your Bible out because I know I is in the Bible. I pronounce it A-I because it's spelled A-I. But uh, he looked it up and we did find it in the book of Joshua. And it is a town that uh, Israel tried to conquer, but they didn't conquer A-I because they weren't following God's instructions. So the Lord was not with them, and they lost the battle. So the next day, I called I, and I told her that I did find her name in the Bible, and I said, I'm going to uh, copy the, that page and bring it to you and show it to you. So uh, she said, oh, come on up again, and I'll give you another foot massage, free. No, I said, that's fine. I had, you gave me a good one yesterday, so I don't need another massage. But so I went to see her when she had a free moment, and I took her the page from the Bible. And um, she told me that, um, well, she was just really fascinated because she'd never seen a Bible before. And I explained to her that the Bible is in two sections, um, you know, the Old Testament and the New Testament, two sections. And I said, this particular quotation is from the Old Testament. And I showed her Genesis chapter 1 and 2 where it says that God created the heaven and earth. And she was fascinated by that. I said, God said, let there be light, and there was light. Oh, she says, I'd like to read about that. And um, I showed her the New Testament, how that uh, the, the, the New Testament, as I said, tells about the life of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were the people that were associated with Jesus and wrote about him 
because they, um, and she asked me, she said, were they angels? I said, no, they weren't angels. They were men that worked with Jesus. They were his disciples, and they told about their experiences of being with Jesus. And I said, in the, in the uh, New Testament, it tells you about the birth and the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus and about his ascension to heaven. She just seemed very, very interested, and so I asked her if she'd like to have a copy of the Bible. And as soon as I got home, I mailed her a copy of the uh, contemporary English version of the Bible that's published by the American Bible Society. And I'm thinking, after 17 years in the United States, having never seen a Bible, I just pray that the Lord will help her to find as she reads the story of redemption, the story of creation, and the story of redemption through Jesus. Um, I did mail her the Bible. I received a thank you note from her. I called her on the phone a couple weeks ago and asked her if she'd like me to send her a, a, the Voice of Prophecy Bible course. I said, I can send you, I can order a Bible course for you. And she said, yes, I would like that. So please pray with me for I that she will be impressed with God's truth as she reads his word. People are more happy to hear the good news sometimes than we anticipate, aren't they? And I believe the Lord will give us the opportunities that we need. You know, the, they tell you that uh, in, if you're a teacher in school, repetition is a good thing. So there, it's amazing the repetition you have in the Bible. Jesus wants us to constantly know that our future is taken care of. One of my favorite Bible chapters is John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, three different times, Jesus makes this statement. <clears throat> I will raise him up at the last day. And then he says, I myself will raise him up at the last day. Jesus wants us to know that our future is secure. So it's important that we keep at the top of our list our relationship with him. And then <clears throat> you turn to the, to the very last chapter of your Bible. I don't know a lot of... I've got to tell you about the book of Revelation. There's a lot of people today will tell you what the book of Revelation means. I'm not sure they know, but anyway, you, you hear it all of the time. book of Revelation is in the middle of the the theological discussions now. I remember one time I was <clears throat> pastor at Camelback Church in Phoenix, and George Vanderman was having a, a meeting at the Civic Auditorium in Phoenix, and George called me up one day, and he says, Ed, he said, uh, will you come down and lead the music for us? And so while I was there, George was one of these guys who always wanted the latest of everything, see? So George took a speed reading course. He came to the meeting one night and he said, Ed, I can read the book of Revelation in 22 minutes. He said, I never really understood it till I read it fast. He said, when you read it fast, the central theme is God's people overcome. God's people overcome. God's people overcome. But I like the way Jesus is quoted in the last chapter. The last chapter of the Bible Three times Jesus says, I'm coming quickly. 
I'm coming quickly. And then the next to the last verse, the 20th verse, yes, I'm coming quickly. I heard one day that uh, a man heard his pastor quoting these verses, and he said to the pastor, he said, I don't know. How can we believe him? He said, that was 2,000 years ago. And that night the man had a dream. And in his dream, he dreamed he could talk to God. So he thought he'd ask God about it. He asked God, he said, uh, what's a million years like to you? And God said, just like a minute. Well, he thought while he had him on the line, he'd ask him another question. He said, what's a million dollars like to you? And God said, just like a penny. He said, will you give me a penny? God said, in a minute. Let me tell you, folks, these promises in God's word are true. They're for you. They're for me. And they apply to us at any time in our life. You can dedicate your life to God in the last hour of your life. I'm thankful for Luke 23. You know, when Jesus was being crucified, he was being crucified with two other individuals. And everyone was making fun of Jesus. These two especially were making fun of him. But Jesus did something at the very last that evidently touched the heart of one of these men. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then you read down a little bit, and verse 39 says, One of the criminals who was hanged there was hurling abuse at him and said, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and save us. But the other said, rebuking him, Do you not even fear God, even you who are under the same sentence? And then he turned to Jesus and he says, Lord, remember me. And Jesus said, I'll do it. Aren't you thankful for that story? Yeah. Jesus doesn't save us because of the great things we have done. He saves us because of the great thing he has done. But what a blessing it is to us to be able to share with others what he's done for us so that they too can be involved in this great event that's coming down the line in the future. I'm thankful, Father, for what you've, you've done for us, for what you're doing for the people here in Santa Clarita. You know, uh, there's people all around this neighborhood here see the cars pulling into this parking lot on Sabbath. Just by the fact that you're coming here, you're telling something about your relationship with God, aren't you? It's important the decisions that we made when we set our feet on God's road and promise to be faithful and true to him as we journey along the highway of life. I've set my feet on God's road. I've set my feet on God's road, and never will I drift or roam. Though I am often weary, 
I'll travel till I reach my home. Ten thousand foes may surround me to turn me from the right. But God's great arms are around me, His arms of love and might. I've set my feet on God's road, and never will I drift or roam. I've set my feet on God's road, I'll travel till I reach my home. I've set my feet on God's road, and never will I turn around. I've left the dreary lowlands, I'm heading for that higher ground. My Lord is walking beside me, He keeps me by His grace. And every step he will guide me Till I see him face to face I've set my feet on God's road And never will I turn around I've set my feet on God's road I'm heading for that higher ground. I'm heading for that higher ground. That's our goal, folks. Are you headed for that higher ground? Do you want to keep your bucket list up to date? so that you will know for sure that your relationship with Jesus is where it should be. So I pray that he will direct you and guide you and care for you as you fellowship with him.